Jesus said, unless you change and become like a little child, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Think about that. That's a striking verse. Uh, well, what do you think Jesus meant by become like a little child? I think you've heard me say before that um, I've told you about how uh, when my wife was away and, and, and maybe shopping or something like that, and my youngest kids would ask where mom is, I would say, oh, she went to the moon. And then when they'd ask how she got there, I would say, well, she took the spaceship. And then they would say, well, can I see the spaceship? And I said, well, you can't see the spaceship because mom's got it on the moon, right? And they would believe me. Well, why would they believe me? Well, it's because they trust me. Right? They implicitly trust me. And finally, I think that's the primary focus of what Jesus meant, becoming like a little child. But I thought it'd be fun this week to take a look at some of the other aspects of being like a child that God would want us to emulate. Uh, the one I want to look at today is the fact that children are helpless on their own and they're okay with it. Uh, think about this. When there is a big family problem, when you have a financial crisis or whatever it may be, where do you find the youngest children? Well, they're, they're in the living room playing with toys. Why? Well, because they know they can't help. They know they're helpless. Uh, they know they, they don't have to take on themselves the world's problems. But you know, sometimes we do. You know, Lord, I, I, I thought you said that you would provide, but look at my, look at my checkbook. I've got more month less, month left than I do money. Or, or Lord, I thought you said that you were going to work all things for my good. Well, how is it for my good that my health is failing or uh, my marriage is struggling or my family is falling apart or my friend has hurt me? Lord, I thought you said you'd forgive me. Then why do I feel guilt? And, and we look at all of these things going on in our life and, and, and we look at these impossible situations in front of us and we conclude, Lord, you can't do it. You don't have what it takes. It, it's really easy to trust God's promises when our lives are very blessed at the moment. But it's a lot harder to trust those promises when we're facing challenges. And that must have been what it was like for the people of Israel. Now, if you remember, the people of Israel were enslaved in Egypt and God wanted to let his people go. And so he sent these 10 miraculous plagues against the Egyptians and Pharaoh said, okay, you can go. And the, the people of Israel started leaving and then Pharaoh changed his mind and he started chasing the Israelites and he actually trapped them. So you've got Pharaoh's army, you've got the Israelites and then trapped them up against the Red Sea. So it's kind of tough when you're trapped between Pharaoh's army and the Red Sea to see the way through, right? We remember, we, what do we do in those situations? We have to remember to listen to what Moses said to the Israelites and to us. This is what he said. He said, do not be afraid. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. So who is it that fights for you? Oh, the Lord, that's all. You know, the one who created the universe uh, with his word and sustains it with his mighty hand. Uh, the, the, the one who, um, who destroyed the world with a flood, that's how powerful he is. Uh, the one who gave life to Abraham's wife's dead womb. Uh, the one who made that child into a great nation. The one who rescued the nation of Israel by the ten miraculous plagues in Egypt. The one who shaped all of human history in order to send a savior to come and save us from our sins. That's the one who fights for us. That kind of puts our problems into perspective, doesn't it? With that kind of perspective, what problems are there that are impossible for God? No. When the impossible in our life lives meets God and his promises, we need to remember what God says here. Do not be afraid. The Lord fights for you. You need only be still. 
So are you worried about your forgiveness or your ability to forgive? You need only be still. You look at the cross and you see Jesus fight to the death for you. Are you worried about the things that rob us of life and accident and, 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 and sickness? You need only be still. Look to your Savior who defeated death by getting out of the grave. Are you worried about having enough? You need only be still. Look at the, the, the hands of blessing of the ascended Jesus raised in blessing over you. In all those ways, Jesus says to you, do not be afraid. No, when the impossible in your life meets the promises of God, as one who stands on the other side of the, of the, the cross and the empty tomb, remember that the Lord fights for you. Like a little child, you need only be still. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, make me like a little child. Help me realize how helpless I am on my own and how I have all the strength I need in you. In your name I pray, amen. Jesus said, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Uh, this week, we're taking a look at some of the characteristics of little children that, that Jesus wants us to emulate. Uh, yes, they trust. Yes, they're helpless on their own. Um, but today, I want to take a look at the characteristic that children have this desire to please their parents because of how grateful they are. Um, tell me I'm not the only one that, that's experienced this, that, that, that pure joy of a child that wants to please you. So maybe you're watching TV and your child's working on an art project in the kitchen all afternoon and they have to come and show you their masterpiece. And who's the center of their masterpiece? Well, you are. Or, or you're working on a project and you ask your child to go get a tool and they hop right up and, and, and go get the tool. Why? Because they want to please you. Um, because they're grateful for what you've done for them. Um, the same is true when it comes to us and our relationship with our Heavenly Father. We, we have a desire to please our Father in heaven. The Apostle Paul puts it this way. He says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. So in view of God's mercy, what else could we possibly do but want to please our Father in heaven? That's exactly what a child would do. Why is it then that we get disappointed when we put time and effort into something and God doesn't bless it the way we want him to? Why is it that we get frustrated when God takes a blessing that we had away from us, like, a, like maybe a person or, or a job or, or a, a, a thing that we treasured? But why is it that we are so quick to puff up with pride when, when something does go well? Is it because we want to offer our whole lives as a living sacrifice or only the parts we want to part with? Well, let's explore Paul's picture here for a second. Let's go to worship. You brought the kids with you to your worship and, uh, and, you're, and you're taking them to the temple. And the youngest ones among them, they start to cry because they see you leading the, the best little lamb away from your flock and you take it to the priest. Uh, the priest inspects it. it. It doesn't have any blemishes. It, it's a good lamb. It'll do. You place your hand on top of the lamb's head and in your mind, you, you envision pictures of you and your wife and your son and your daughter and the sacrifice that will one day be made for you and you're at peace, making your next act easy, almost involuntary. The knife in your hand slides across the lamb's throat and you watch as his wool turns from, from white to red. You've done your part. 
And now the priest quickly captures the, the lifeblood of that lamb into a bowl. And you see as the priest is splashing that blood on all sides of the altar, and you begin to smell in the air that stench of, of burnt skin and hair as your lamb is now being burnt until it's nothing left but ash. In fact, the fire will be kept burning all night until to assure that there's nothing that remains. You just made a burnt offering. And the seemingly crazy thing about this offering is that you didn't have to do it. That God never mandated it. Uh, there is no payment for sin in it. Instead, a burnt offering, what Paul is talking about here, is something that shows total devotion to God. It's the offering that doesn't seem to make any sense because you don't have to do it, but you want to. And some people might say, but why? Well, there again, go back to the altar. This time, go to the altar of the cross and take a look at the sacrifice there. It's not pure and spotless and, and, and without blemish. No, it looks beaten and bruised and bloody. Yet, as the Son of God, Jesus knew what he wanted. Not offerings, not sacrifices. He wanted you. And so he was willing to place himself on that altar and completely be consumed for you. He cleared off all the dead carcasses of sacrifices off the altar so that he could place you there as his one living sacrifice that could be a living sacrifice until the day he calls you home to heaven. Now that is mercy. That is God paying your price for sin and saying, see, we're at peace. There's no price to pay. That's mercy. Now in view of that mercy, what do you want to do? Like a child, desire to Please, your Father in heaven. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, help me to see your sacrifice for me as the motivation to want to please our Father in heaven. Amen. This week we're looking at qualities that children have um, that Jesus was talking about when he said that he wants to have, uh, us to have a faith like a little child. Um, yes, we've seen that they trust, that they're helpless on their own, that the desire to please their parents. But today I want to focus on what I feel is one of the more striking qualities about children. Uh, it's this, that they have no filter. And I'm not talking about what we think of, like that some things are better left unsaid, only realized after we say them and we regret them. No, I'm saying children are willing to unabashedly talk about anything, anytime, anywhere. If you have a pimple on your face, guess what? your kid's gonna point it out, right? I had a, um, one of my daughters once uh, told my wife after she tried on a new dress that she got and she wanted to know what the kids thought. My daughter just simply said without skipping a beat, well, um, the dress makes you look young, but your face makes you look old. Ooh, yikes, am I making my point, right? By the way, I'm not saying children are always right because my wife doesn't look a day over 29. Uh, but that quality, that quality, it actually uh, goes into also being unashamed to proclaim the gospel. Um, I think about one daughter, whenever we'd have a, an invite to a church event or to a church service and we'd have like an actual invitation or a postcard, she would waste no time right after church. She would march across the street to a, to a neighbor that she knew didn't have a church home and she would invite him. Nobody told her to do that. I, I remember one daughter would go with me on evangelism calls and, and I remember distinctly one time that we were sitting in a living room and a woman told me that she didn't believe in Jesus and my little daughter started, she burst into tears because she cared so much that that woman would believe in Jesus. I, I think about a daughter at a store without any warning, she just simply told the store clerk, did you know Jesus died on the cross to take away your sins? Uh, that's awesome. Children are unashamed to proclaim the gospel. Why? Uh, well, it's because it's true. 
It's because it's the most important thing in their life. It's because they don't have any of the excuses built up. They don't have those adult problems of, of, um, of, of worrying what other people think. It's because the most important thing for them is heaven and they want everybody else there with them too. How quickly we forget that, don't we? And we start to think about what our proclamation of the gospel is going to mean um, in how the other person views us. Well, the Apostle Paul today tells us to stop acting like adults and get to be more childlike. He says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. And so remember that this is the same good news that someone once shared with you. This is the same good news that someone was unashamed to share with you about how Jesus died on the cross to take away your sins. I know this always helps me. Remember what you want for everybody in your life. I want this person, the person in front of me, to be in heaven with me one day. And remember that this message is the power of God to make that happen. So like a little child, don't be ashamed to share God's word. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, your word has the power to change hearts to believe in you. Help us to be more childlike in our faith and witness to reach out to the people in our lives with your powerful gospel. Then bless our witness in your name. Amen. Jesus said, unless you change and become like little children, you can never enter the kingdom of heaven. One of the aspects of that passage we haven't mentioned is that Jesus says, unless you change, uh, meaning that we need to change and become more childlike in our faith. Well, one of the aspects of a childlike faith that I want to talk about today is that children are so sensitive to law and gospel. That tell me that I'm not the only parent who has ever experienced this with their children, that genuine repentance and then rejoicing in their forgiveness uh, in a way that is, brings me to a tear because, or brings me to tears because of how, how like heartfelt and genuine it is. Um, you sit your child down and on the couch and you say, Evie, or whatever their name is, who knows. But Evie, why did, you, um, why did you jump on the air mattress from the staircase? We told you not to do that. Now you broke it. Now mom and dad have to buy a new one. And then without any excuse, without any blame shifting, with, this is the best, without any buildup to emotion, there bursts before you, repent in tears and an immediate, I'm sorry, daddy. Oh, it's just, it's so beautiful. And, and as a parent, your heart breaks and you want to make it all better right away. And you wrap her in your arms and you say, you're forgiven. Jesus died on the cross to take away your sins. Jesus loves you. Your daddy loves you. Have we lost that seriousness with our sin? Um, have we been through the routine so many times that we don't, we don't always think about what our sin does, that it separates us from God. Uh, that seems to be what happened. I know that's what happened with King David. And King David, when he was a boy, the Bible says he was a man after God's own heart. And, uh, and he grew up and he became a king, but then the power went to his head. Um, there was once when he, he took another man's wife and had a child out of wedlock with that woman and then killed the husband. And the, I'm sorry, daddy, that didn't come right away. He held on to that sin for almost a year. Well, after he had repented, King David wrote a psalm that described how he was feeling during that time of, of holding on to that sin. And this is what he wrote. Even though everything looked okay on the outside, it wasn't on the inside. He said, When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. 
and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Are you holding on to a sin? Is it weighing heavily on you? I want to break down this passage for a moment. Then I acknowledge my sin to you. Admit that there is a clear standard. That your conscience and public opinion may change, but God's straight edge never changes. David goes on and said, And did not cover up my iniquity. No excuses, no blame shifting, no I was wrong, but. No, just admit that you and I are the cause of our sin. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. Notice this is not self-pity, which hates the consequences of your sin. This is not self-flagellation that only uh, that hates yourself instead of your sin. No, this is the, I'm sorry, Daddy. And you forgave the guilt of my sin. And what does Jesus do? He wraps you up in his arms and he says, I have loved you to hell and back on the cross. I have always loved you. I can never love you more. You are forgiven like a little child. Be sensitive to that law message. Take it seriously, but also take no less seriously that sweet gospel and rejoice in it. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, take any pride and excuse for my sin away from my heart. Make me like a little child, rejoicing in your loving and forgiving embrace. In your son's name I pray, amen. The passage we've been considering this week is from Matthew 18:3, where Jesus says, unless you change and become like little children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. And then verse four goes on to say, therefore, whoever humbles himself like a little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Humility is recognizing that we don't have all the answers. Humility is realizing that I still need to grow and mature. And that's the aspect of being a little child that I wanna focus on today. Um, one of the standing jokes in my house is that like when mo one of my kids, maybe my son, will come through and um, I'll act like I'm upset with him and I'll say, hey, wait a minute, did you grow? I told you not to grow. You're not supposed to do that. And of course, he'll blushingly say, well, I can't help it, you know. And of course, they're right. They can't help it uh, because that's the nature of a child, to mature and grow. In fact, spiritually, God wants us to continue to mature and grow whether we're 9 or 19 or 90. But it's kind of easy to act like we have everything figured out, isn't it? How easy it is to not be humble and look at ourselves instead of look at the needs of our neighbor. I mean, how easy it is for us to uh, think, you know what, I already know what Jesus did for me by dying on the cross. I don't really need to develop a relationship with him. How easy it is to, for us to fail to see the need to mature and grow in our faith. Finally, this is what God wants us to do because it, it, it's what enables us to face the uncertainties of life with the certainties of God's word. I mean, nobody says when they're growing up, I want to grow up to be weak and scrawny. No, everybody wants to grow up to be big and strong, right? Kids want to grow. Parents want them to grow. Every parent knows the answer to their child when they say, I don't want to eat my peas. Why do I have to eat my peas? Well, the answer is so that you grow up to be big and strong. And finally, God has the same answer for us when it comes to our spiritual growth. 
just imagine for a moment that you've got a world-class chef that comes over to your house and he says, I'm gonna make your favorite meal. And whatever that meal is, I want you to picture it in your head. Okay, you're sitting on the couch, he's in the kitchen, he's making everything from scratch, all the sauces, he's preparing the meat, all that kind of stuff. And it's taking all day. And you're just smelling these beautiful aromas wafting through the house. And then finally, he's done. And he takes a forkful of it, he gives, gives it to you to try. You try it and it is the most delicious thing you have ever had in your life. Would you be okay with saying, you know what, I'm good, I don't need any more? No, if it was that delicious, you probably wouldn't want us to watch how you devour the rest of that, right? Because you tasted how good it was. Well, that's exactly what God says when it comes to his word. This is what he says in 1 Peter 2.2. He says, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you've tasted that the Lord is good. You have experienced the goodness of God. You've experienced how good his salvation and his forgiveness is. You keep devouring that all your life. Like a little child, keep growing and maturing. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, make me like a little child. Keep me maturing and growing in your word. When unexpected things happen in this world, teach me to trust you implicitly, just as a child trusts his parents. In your name I pray, amen.